There's trouble brewing out in front of the saloon. Hey, they're gonna fight me, Jill. Look at them. They're about to draw. I fired point blank. Watch this. Welcome to Good Anime Spotlight with Jay and Ethan and our producer, as always. Um, again, it's a vacation, so just going to kind of jump right into this, uh, where we watched 24 episodes of... Uh, Gankutsuo. Yeah, Gankutsuo. That's what it was. You can Gankutsu. call me Gankutsuo. The King of the Cave. <laughs> the, yeah, the King of the Cave. That's that doesn't me, sound baby. very good. <laughs> uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, or Crisco, depending on where you're from, north or south, uh, anime um, based on the French story of a man who gets walled in brick by brick in his cellar. That's right. Uh, the cask of a Monte Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right. Nah, two different ones. Anyway, the cask yeah. of a two-up Monte Cristo. What a, what a very strange and uh, interesting anime that I'm actually really excited to talk about. Which, by the way, I didn't actually look up. When was this... When was this made? 2005. Okay. Well, so I knew it was 2004. It, it was okay. both, I guess. So, so then that brings me to the question, Jay, where did you hear about this one? Because this was your pick. So. He browses I, my enemy list. That's right. My enemy list, <laughs> where it is big, so big highly <laughs> rated that no one has heard of it, actually. Big, big I mean, fan. it is actually really highly rated. But yeah, I have seen... Um, Obviously, I'm a big fan of Account of Monte Cristo, some of the older movies. They feature heavily that, that Princess Bride-style sword fighting stuff. Yeah. And I had known the story before, and I had found out somewhat recently that someone I know who has at least semi-decent taste in anime had said, hey, you know there's Account of Monte Cristo anime. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What do they do with it? Well, they, he said, well, they actually kind of go out and really change it up for a completely different setting and aesthetic. And I was like, you know what? That sounds good because, frankly, the Count of Monte Cristo is one of those things where, you know, you you, you feel the pieces all over the world and it's kind of done to death. So having it get shaken up pretty good is actually very refreshing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I just thought it was uh, kind of an out of the blue pick. So I just didn't know where you picked it up from. But I, it's I it's it. referenced heavily in V for Vendetta, for example. Yes, it that is. Movie. Yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. basically is the plot of V for Vendetta. Like at least kind of not really, pretty, but yeah, sort of. I don't know. It's pretty fucking similar. If me. if you boil down Account of Monte Cristo to Man Gets Revenge, then yes. Oh my God! It so is it's the basically same John Wick Parabellum. Exactly, and that's exactly <laughs> where this road leads, really. So, for what it's worth, and this will be fun, I have not seen or read or the Man in the Iron Iron book? Mask. What, what was the Man is in the Count Iron Mas- Mask? No, is Count of Mas- yeah, Wait, Mas- is it? Mas- is that what the book is called? Is the Man in the Iron no, Mask? No, it's called the Count of Monte Cristo in French. I- yeah. Okay, that's Which what I was be, after. The Count of Monte Cristo. Well, Le Comte de Monte Cristo. Man in the Iron Mask is like a kind of spinoff-ish thing. Yeah, I okay. thought so. I also think it's about the guy that the Count of Monte Cristo like breaks out of prison with. Oh, okay. Maybe. I can't remember. I believe. I've I have not read that so one, long. and I am not deeply interested in it, to be honest. No, I, I saw the movie. It wasn't that great. But I don't know if that helps. So uh, okay, the, thank you, producer. I have Comte not. The Monte Cristo. Okay, yeah, that one. Close. I haven't read that one. Anyway, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen the movie. The, the whole reason why I was bringing this up is I have seen Viva Vendetta, and this does walk its beats pretty well. So that that's why I was Somewhat. curious why you don't feel like it does. 
So I'm it I because Leonardo the Count of Monte Romeo and Juliet, and this does exactly mimic that. Yeah, it, it's really <laughs> just about revenge. Most of the other beats do not line up whatsoever. Um, the the entire cast of people other than the Count do not exist in V for Vendetta. I would disagree, um, but okay. Yeah, who's who's the the love struck? I think you're the coolest ever. You mean like the chick for MC? Yeah, Evie, the one who totally loves him so much. That's why he uh, puts her in a cage and tortures her. I remember that from I Account mean, of Monte Cristo. I she was obsessed with him at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, wait, she, wait, hold on. Are you saying... Oh, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah. This, it's, it, and that's it. So, you, you know, of course, the, well, also the classic the... Monte Cristo tale of of uh, the, the soldier guy, Maximilian, and his ties to... The, the previous yeah. and where okay Ethan okay Ethan Ethan okay okay Ethan okay. Yeah, where okay. was the giant mech fight V for Vendetta Check that's it. right oh, that's right shit. also to be fair like at no point does V from V for Vendetta ever you know murder any of Evie's friends in a duel yeah yeah he doesn't okay so, yeah I'll take that one that's fair he's also not like, possessed it, by a demon so it's literally just you know. revenge against the state and that's about yes. it. Also, he and pursues like, three specifically um, different. Actually, I think he goes after the woman as well, which I like more. He does go than, after the woman as well, which is cool. Though, so, like, he goes after four different individuals that wronged him in very unique ways. To um, be fair, he gets that one lady completely insanityed. So, he did technically take a woman down. Wait, which in, one? In the count. In the count. Oh yeah. Oh he, yeah. He gets okay, the poison enough, lady to like completely lose her shit. That's yeah. fair, yeah. I guess that's true. When they were like, oh, welcome to my house. And she goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, she, she was, she was just sitting he, on the press. Literally, he brings out a box, and she's like, ah! <laughs> that's That's like my favorite bit, because it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a, like, mid 1700 story where like every woman who uh, encounters a slight bit of stress immediately passes out it's like a, it's like a fainting yeah. goat oh, gene oh it's God. the only yeah, way they deal with then, stress then a couple episodes i think it was earlier was the was his uh his oh wife yeah the who, opera singer in, in the chick, opera yeah. box who went oh, oh there he is <laughs> the man out. who oh, sold me into slavery <laughs> Literally almost falls out of the balcony. I mean, she does. It's only because of him that she's they, just. They gotta yeah, put some fucking I mean. railings yeah, up in here. <laughs> so God obviously damn, everyone says really. they liked it. Uh, the question, oh, of course, forever is: Who is your favorite waifu, and why is the Count of Monte Cristo the sexiest man alive? <laughs> wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, wait. I mean, he is definitely my favorite waifu. If that is the yeah. question, yes, I. Yeah. I, I, I think. Uh, yeah. Yes. No, no, well, actually, I mean, the, the expert, tell me who your favorite waifu the is. The favorite waifu is, of course, the main character who is the sexiest boy mm-hmm. on the planet. He, really he can is. do no Taking wrong. A weird turn. Mm-hmm. No, it, see, the funny thing about this is that, again, like 17th century stuff. And anyone who says gay people like our recent oh. modern invention oh, haven't read the fucking Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> I was <laughs> This shit is so hilariously gay, and it's great because yeah, I, it's all about being in love with your fellow man who just who just is he just gets you. He just gets you. He drops his watch in the hallway, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's the sexiest thing I've ever seen." Yeah, I mean, it's literally like him leaving the handkerchief behind for for the damsel to be like, <laughs> "Oh, let's think of me." Every, this, this every time I talk to him, he gives me something, and he tells me I'm pretty. What else is there? <laughs> 
Me and my uh, my sister, who's gay, were joking back and forth with because my mom is very old school. But we were just joking, like, "Oh yeah, no, they were just all best friends back then. Yep, they just <laughs> lived together and never dated anybody else and shared a bedroom together for their entire life because they're the best of friends. Yep, oh, that's yeah. what they did back then. They the were main all character super and his close friends. the main character and his best friend who <laughs> yeah, took yeah, a well, trip to the moon also known as amsterdam <laughs> where everyone just does everything loosey-goosey there are no rules and someone invites them to a public execution you just got to see it <laughs> you just got to see it that's my favorite thing where it's like uh, well because again so get obviously there's a lot of elements of the story that are taken from a mid 17th uh, or 18th century novel so there's a lot of things that people or characters do in this that are just completely wild and outrageous. And then it's just the most quaint fucking thing of all time. <laughs> like uh, they'll, they'll walk into a room and a guy will be like, Hey, uh, what's this guy doing in your house? It's like, Oh, he's my best friend. We live together. <laughs> really? What are you doing? Oh, we're just, you know, like we're having a trip. Where'd you go? We went to like the moon, aka the sexiest, like most raucous yeah. place of all time. Luna too, and when, have you? Heard? And whenever he tells anybody that he's been there, they're like, "Oh, that sounds fun." <laughs> like, yeah. so you so you fucked your way through Venice. That sounds amazing. Uh, what do you do? Nothing. So what do you mean? Good. What do I do? This is my purpose in life. Yeah, just like the count when he first meets me, he's like, "So, how long have you been friends?" He's like, "Oh, well, since birth." And he goes, "Oh." I wish I had a best friend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, okay. Oh my god. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. No, every yeah, fucking moment, every huh? fucking sentence is dripping with I'd fuck me. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye versus the show. God, I think so I literally good, made it man. through ten minutes of this the first episode before I sent that message in Discord to be like, Oh my god, the show is gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. Uh, and it's all about when men were men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Roger needs to listen to this episode, you know. Remember really, that. Remember that, boys. Super annoyed at having to be engaged to a woman. Ugh. So terrible. So, uh, Nothing in on common a with semi- her. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that, that's the other best <laughs> thing. They're they're all engaged. They're all engaged, and they're just like off fucking their way through the moon. And I was like, "What are you gonna go back to your your fiance? I don't know. My, my Fuck who? that bitch. Oh, I want to stay here and sleep with my best friend <laughs> consensually." Dang it, I didn't even think about that. Oh. It's too I, I walked the out. That, um, the the, the way that his best friend introduces the MC is like, "Oh yeah, see, we he's my traveling compatriot." Also, is he your side bussy? Is that what's going on? Because yeah, it sounds well, you like find out later that he he's like the rich one. So it's like, how yeah. is he your traveling companion, bitch? <laughs> Who's paying for this? I don't think it's you. He knows his place. But uh, then, of course, okay. in classic rich person fashion, they basically don't pay for much anyway. Because yeah. the, the richer you are, the less you pay for things. And they basically just sit with the count all day. I like I, It's just so ridiculously I, now, Victorian now, Jay- when they go visit him. And they're just sitting in his lobby. Yes. Eating fucking snacks going, I don't know if we can trust this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's really I also, suspicious. I also loved it that he was like, we're just all friends now. <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? The Count's our friend. She's like, I don't really think I said he was my friend. <laughs> I met him and we were friends. He There's... made me save a man from execution also, who turned out later to abduct me. I didn't look this up. Uh, are French monies called ducats? Is no, actually. Okay. No, and um, I freaking love that they're called ducats. Ducats just, is a, just, a Venice thing. 
Is yeah. it really? Okay. Yeah, Italian it just, thing. It takes the sting out of any sort of money. You owe me 50 million <gasps> ducats. ducats. Oh, that can't be a lot, right? <laughs> I, yeah, what is that, like $10? Dollars? Dollars? Uh, if you've ever like, read any Shakespeare... It's the sillier Duckets than Croner. No, I probably have. I just genuinely don't don't remember ducats being the thing, and it just made me so happy to hear it out loud. Yeah, Here I know go. it best 50 from million ducats. The, okay. the Merchant of Venice, where uh, uh, he says he has to take a pound of flesh because he stole his fucking daughter. And there's a scene where like some guy is just like having a having a fucking fit, screaming, "My ducats, my daughter!" He my ducats, like my dollars. Yeah, it's ve- it's very <laughs> racist. <laughs> But oh we'll God. we'll get there, but because he's because he's uh, a merchant of Venice, aka Jewish. So you know he's uh he he loves ducats and his daughter. Oh my God, that's hilarious! I feel like I I've known about that, but I I don't know. I just for some reason you've probably heard someone say it. Yeah, ducats caught me off guard, and I just couldn't stop smiling every time someone tried to tell me they were going to pay me with ducats. I just couldn't take them seriously. No, no, no you're like that's really, not real. But really, like you're like, can, can, I, I, can I can I break one dollar for a hundred ducats? Like do do I want to <laughs> take on you know one hundred dollar right, size ducats? I bought the into Dogecoin at a point, but ducats that's too far gone. I don't. Think I, it's funny you say Dogecoin because the the head of the state <laughs> of Venice is called Doge. The Doge, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the so Doge good. Michel Steno of Venice, aka oh, is the is. original Dogecoin. He's been the holding them since fucking seventeen oh six. He's got he's got the truest true. diamond hands, oh the original God. diamond hands. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I'm so excited this for you right now. Been playing us for centuries. <laughs> the original Dogecoin. Fuck when ta- when Elon tanked it. <laughs> what is the original Doge coin? Okay, all right. Anyway, can... oh, that's great. Thank Man, you. Man, I would, I would sack a uh, an old city and turn it into a Turkish city just to get my hands on some more of those that's ducats. Right. You know, some more ducats, baby. I got, I got some buckets of ducats. Buckets so of ducats. many ducats. I love right. when uh, they're trying to pay that guy's ransom and they throw the going purse at him and it like yeah. does visible damage. Back oh, in the yeah. day, yes. back in the day, yes. money had so weight good. and heft. Yeah. You could yeah. harm a man with a hundred bucks. Be throwing that around like that. You're That's what I've been somebody. saying. Listen, ever since Daddy Biden took over, inflation has made you know money worthless, actual That's no right. value, you except know? No, as a tool for bludgeoning your foes. Dogecoin, which is just virtual. I want to hit That's somebody right. with my money. That's right. You know? I can't throw my flash drive at him. It's not the same. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> God, uh, man. All right. Well, let's, let's get into what, what makes this so much fun. I think that might have been it. Yeah, shows shows <laughs> pretty it. gay, and there's a lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. one last thing, I guess, before we end. Uh, the green sleeve jackets. The green sleeve, yes, or yes. The, the, the green screen sleeves and jackets I, and stuff. I think I kind of liked people. it. I know. I yeah. thought it was great. I just thought that it was like nope. I've never seen anybody do this before. Where they're like, "All right, here's the still frame, right, and here's the whole shot moving. We're just gonna green screen his jacket, and anytime he moves, it's gonna be like a like a still picture behind him. So he's just gonna pick up different patterns on it." And I was like, so oh, this is great. We've seen other anime do this. I just don't oh. think I've seen any anime do it well. It's sort of like the original Avatar actually use 3d correctly sorry not like animated avatar like the blue people one i remember i saw mm. that in 3d and it actually looked good like there were things in there that just naturally fit in like when their tree came crashing down when there was like ash everywhere they they had the 3d ash and i was like oh this it feels like i'm being surrounded by a tree that's actually burning down 
Um, and that's what this was. Like, there was just almost something otherworldly about these extremely overwhelming, you know, expensive patterns. And they would remain the same, but the characters would move. It was cool. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. At first, it was a little jarring. But as I, as I kept watching more episodes, like, if it wasn't there, I think it would have been missed. So yeah, I genuinely mm-hmm. was like, especially when he was sword fighting the army guy, and it just said like pirate, uh, whatever his name was. God, what is his name? Oh, what the uh, Maximilian? Uh, yeah, no, 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 the, oh. no the, yeah, but who's the who's the main character? I can't. Why am I blanking? Oh, um, uh, well, now Albert. On me, it's like Albert. Albert. Yeah. I, oh I yeah, Albert. Like, right, because I, I, I was like, it, it's a, it's a, it's a regular name, but they say it French. Albert. Yeah, it says like Pirate Albert on it or something like that on his mm-hmm. when they're fighting on top of the thing. I was like, oh, this is great, man. You just you know where everybody stands. He's a pirate now, at least for this scene, and then he goes back to his normal, you know, disco colored stuff. I, 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 I just think that at first I was like, ah, oh, I think I hate this, and then after like ten episodes, I was like, I don't think I could live without this in this anime. It just really sets the tone for things so yeah that whole well, so, scene too is another okay, example yeah. of the the fucking ridiculous level that this anime is willing to go to for uh french aristocracy yeah. that happened you take that only back. Be- there are good people yeah <laughs> he he the the french- he threw the glove. <laughs> yeah he literally threw the glove and was like dude the royalty like suck maximilian's like yeah i'm not getting married for like yeah, getting married for not love is dumb, and the royalty are dumb, and the people of you Paris take suck. That back. There are and good it, people in Paris. You're this, not getting off. They almost kill each other over this. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, this this literally fits. I believe this. And the count creates like a like a mist, and he just talks to them soulfully. He's like, "This is your sword. It is now indestructible." And you, Maximilian, it's like, oh my god, he's getting really personal. They're about to kill each other. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think these two are about to murder each other with their with their penises. Like this guy's penis is made of justice. Uh, yeah. Tip to tip, <laughs> let's go. This other guy's penis is made of I think anger. I I, I can't be sure. I, God, yeah, dang, this cool was scene. Fun. Holy frick. Uh, well, Jay, since you picked it, I want you to to guide us through everything that you felt made this anime good, especially okay. with the material it's based on. All right, I'll, I'll pull up. I'll pull up well, the episode the list. Material, I'm on it. Speaking of the material, <laughs> okay. the first thing we got to talk about is that one of the fun things about the Count of Monte Cristo is that is a very particular historical context. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it takes place during the time when Napoleon lost the first time. Yep. And his coup was being replaced by the original aristocracy that existed before it. So one thing that's really interesting about the Count of Monte Cristo is that it's basically all about what it means to be a good person and a good member of society because that was exactly what was at stake at the time. Remember huh. that Napoleon was a military dictator. Yes. He, he replaced the aristocracy um, after the power vacuum created by the French Revolution because I believe that's after the first time he showed up. Yeah, he, the French Revolution happened a couple times and then well, yeah, Napoleon yeah, yeah. But, showed but, up. The one that people know was the one in the early 17th century, 1700s, 18th century. And um, after that power vacuum happened where they killed a lot of the aristocracy and overthrew the original king, um, it was the military junta, a.k.a. Napoleon and his and the military that took over the government. Less based. And there was a lot of talk about what it is that made leadership legitimate. Uh, because before, with the aristocracy, there was a lot of talk about them, their bloodline being ordained by God, and that they were really, really rich and powerful, and they owned a lot of land. The military has none of this. 
They aren't, they're rich, but they're not necessarily the richest. They're not businessmen and they don't own a lot of land and they don't uh, give things down hierarchically through bloodlines. So the military suddenly had to invent an entire new method of justification for their rule besides we can kill you. So they invented a new kind of gentlemanly person, a kind of ethos to surround themselves with that was similar in a lot of ways to the old aristocracy, but different in all the ways that the people wanted. Namely, they still owned a lot of land. They still owned a lot of money. When they took it from the government, they basically distributed it amongst themselves. Um, so that was pretty much still the same. Um, but with their new riches, they spent them on different things. Um, they would spend them on things that they would do for themselves rather than on kind of investments or trips or things like that. So when Napoleon falls and he fails, I believe in his war with Russia, which was the first failure. Maybe yeah, that I'm was about that. But I'm I mean, not no, no. Yeah, he he loses. He tries to invade Russia and basically attrition gets him killed. Yeah, gets. I mean, most uh, of his men yeah. killed. Napoleon himself doesn't die. He's exiled to some yes. island. He comes back later. Don't worry about it for the sequel. But what's important <laughs> is that after he loses, a lot of the people uh, who were in charge of the government at the time had basically another coup. Now, the people who came back obviously weren't straight up dead. Um, but they were, uh, well, sorry, a anyone who was dead is obviously dead. But there's still a lot of people who supported the old way of doing things, the old monarchy. And once he's gone from the picture, a lot of people wanted to bring that system back, albeit with slightly new people. And it's, again, the early 1800s. Sorry, I, I was wrong about it being the 1700s. I just, I always get those eras confused because the Napoleonic yeah, I do era too. is like, spans actually a pretty long way as far as warfare goes. But um, basically what happens here is that uh, a lot of people are trying on this crazy new democracy thing. Obviously, you know, America, 1776, late 1700s. A lot of places are banning slavery, like France. A lot of places are getting rid of their monarchies or pushing them to the side. And a lot of places are starting to try to industrialize. So it's this radical new world. There's all kinds of radical new ideas. And Napoleon just lost, which means that they're going to have to kind of come up with a new one. So the people who replace them are trying to once again reinvent the concept of an aristocrat as a form of legitimacy to the people and to other aristocrats as a kind of right to rule. So the Count of Monte Cristo is really all about that because the Count is emblematic of a Bonapartiste understanding of being an aristocrat, whereas he is trying to murder all of the people who are he sees as emblematic of the old kind of aristocrats, the, um, uh, what do you call them? The people who are in fan of the monarchy, but who are have mixed in with them a younger generation of new old aristocrats who still love the hereditary inheritance thing, but they're a lot more, uh, what do you call it, intellectual. So that sets the stage for the story. If you want to think of it this way, the Count of Monte Cristo, as we know from the end of the story, was in the military. He is 100% a Bonapartiste, a.k.a. a man who supports Napoleon Bonaparte. And the people he's killing are people who, after the Bonapartists lost because Napoleon lost, 
seized what methods they could of taking over the government and just flat out, you know, like making themselves rich. So they're all new money. Yep. And Which the fits count well with our himself, show. Yeah. And the count himself is this really eclectic blend of old and new demonstrations of wealth and power and legitimacy. When he shows up at the moon, uh, he invites everyone to his house. He is extremely rich. He is landed, as in he owns property here. He's not just sitting at a hotel like our main characters are. And most importantly, he has a weird sense of justice. He is sitting there and he invites everyone to dinner and he says, hey, you guys got to come fuck the party, you know, fuck the carnival. That's cool. But, you know, like we, I got something more interesting to do tonight. We're going to watch a public execution. And specifically, as a fun little game to play, during this public execution of three people who committed stupid, silly crimes that nobody really cares about. The one guy uh, actually did do crimes. Well, yeah, the one guy killed 10 people. But the point is, is all three of them are just poor people who most of the time uh, committed crimes of uh, convenience. They stole food to feed their family or, you know, they... Uh, were did something at the behest of somebody else and they're being framed for it. You know, bullshit like yep. that. But the Count has a writ of forgiveness from the Cardinal uh, because, and I think it's very clear that this is supposed to be Italy. Maybe not Venice specifically, but like somewhere in that yeah, heavily I... Catholic dominated place because his writ of forgiveness, his, uh, what, what do they call it in America? The fucking, um, the pardon? Oh, um, the, yeah, pardon. The pardon. It comes from a cardinal, as in this this country that they're in, even though it's the moon in the in the show, is clearly run by a um, by a uh, what do they call that the a rule by the Catholic Church. Whatever, there's a specific word for it when you're oh, run by a, you mean by like a religion. A theocracy? Yeah, a theocracy. It, yeah, this okay. is a theocratic area, and he thinks that everyone being murdered. I guess more or less is being murdered unjustly in this public execution. So he's got one thing and he's going to make them play a little fun card game as like a high stakes card game. And whoever wins or, or plays the game will pick a person, one of the three being killed, and he's going to give that person randomly uh, the pardon. Where this is important is that he's towing a line as a character, the Count of Monte Cristo, is towing the line between legitimacy in terms of justice. If you would think of the idea of uh, a pope or a cardinal being the one who oversees public execution, that's an old aristocratic, you know, I'm the king, I say what's law because I'm ordained by God. That's the old way of doing things. The Count clearly doesn't see these as legitimate because he's playing some kind of dumbass little game with a pardon. He clearly thinks the pardon is a stupid idea because he can just hand a random criminal, in this case, one who murdered 10 people, a piece of paper, and he goes free because the cardinal said so, not even about him, but by someone else a while ago. It was probably given to the count, and he just doesn't have a use for it. Yep. Um, But he also doesn't seem to relish in the idea that these people have committed heinous crimes because the Bonapartiste perspective might be that any sort of dissidence, you know, like desertion or theft, should be punishable by death, you know, to keep people in line. He doesn't seem to respect that either. He says that all of these people are equally not guilty in his eyes because they committed crimes that are honestly perfectly understandable. And he reasons with Albert that 
any any intellectual person, aka the new wave of aristocrat, would see these people as victims of circumstance who do not deserve to die. And as he sort of implies, we're not given fair trials, given that the one guy in the middle is like screaming out loud that he was set up. So he plays this dumb game with Albert as I think originally in a way of trying to test which kind of aristocrat he was because there were three options. There's a guy who dies of circumstance because he was starving. That would be the intellectual perspective of the person to save. There's the guy who was set up. That would maybe be the Bonapartiste method of fixing that person. And then there's the murderer who nobody would ever choose and is the one chosen, I think, in a way of shedding light on the most heinous of all, which is the original aristocratic perspective, which is that their word is law, shut up, get over it. So in this one scene, we get wonderful methods of establishing the characteristics of all three of our, I guess you could say, main characters. The Count, Franz, and Albert. Albert and Franz being the two aristocrats from France who are trying to live it up a little bit. Franz freaks the fuck out at the prospect of this game and doesn't want to play because he just doesn't really have an opinion. All he knows is that people are going to die and he has no stomach for it. Well, yeah, I Um, also think he has the angle, too, of, like, you saving one of these people makes you liable within this. Like, if this is a true game and it is truly randomly decided, then, like, what, you're going to just make yourself feel guilty for the rest of your life simply because you only saved one of them randomly. And what happens if you get the bad one? Like now you feel like shit because you played this game. Like you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. I I think the perspective specifically is that he is shown to be overthinking it. He, he is paralyzed. Yeah. Franz is paralyzed with the choice. So he makes no choice where anyone who would think about it to the depth that he was thinking about it would also believe that if you don't make a choice, you're actually killing all of them. That's kind of the point of the game. Is this like the Monty Hall problem? Sure. So it kind of is. The only major difference is that he doesn't pick a person beforehand. Well, Well, and also you know which person, but it's similar to the Monty Hall problem. A little bit. But what's more important is that Albert does pick. Because on on the behest he feels guilty for having a pardon and not using it on these people however he's being forced to play the count's game where he doesn't get to pick because the the cards are random you don't know franz won't pick because he feels like it's more important that he pick the right person than to pick anyone at all albert does not agree and the count does not agree but the count was trying to test them and see what kind of person they were were they the kind of person who would pick at all, not knowing who was going to be brought to um, killed and who was not, because to the count and theoretically to Albert, what matters is that all of these executions are unjust, even the murderer, because at the end of the day, this this uh, uh, system that they have in place is bullshit. It is both by the existence of the pardon and the existence of the public executions. That is the Bonapartist and the new wave aristocrat perspective. So you get those represented. So the only thing I would add is I interpreted Franz. I didn't have the words for it then when I was watching it, but I interpreted Franz's response to partially be built out of him representing the old aristocracy um, because like he just doesn't that, care. 
I, well, like he, he cares. cares. He cares about Albert, but he doesn't care about the three guys. Whereas Albert no, cares about sure. the three guys. Yeah, like he cares. And, and like he cares whether he should or shouldn't. I guess I should say. But. That's what I mean when I say that. Like it's a counts test because yes, what he's testing is see if you have balls first and foremost, and like that's the part that France fails. He talks about how some of them don't deserve to die. He talks about how he would probably save them if he could. But most importantly, I, I think that if he was able to choose, he would have. Which means Who, that he, he's yeah, friends. I, I think that he didn't. He wasn't so apathetic that he wouldn't have saved anybody. I think that first and foremost, he either didn't believe that the game was real, or more importantly, if it was real, he wasn't going to play it. So that, uh, that that's maybe. his perspective. I don't know. I'm and, not sold on more that yet, but I can get it. I don't it. think his perspective mattered too much here, because no, what matters is what the count thinks of the game and what Albert thinks of the game, because they're the ones who play it. Uh, agree, and I think the only other thing that, and maybe you're about to touch on this, but the only other thing I think that matters here is that it was never a game of chance. It was always a decided factor, and that's something that like is a major theme within the show. Yeah, and I think this is the first time we encounter it. Um, mm -hmm. At least that's the first I could think of. Is that like there is no coincidence? Everything is on purpose. Everything is done for a reason. Um, yeah, so like there, it was always going to save the guy that murdered ten people. It also mirrors the Count's own fate, which is that yes, absolutely. in a prison full of people who likely are completely innocent, he was randomly spared. But in order to be randomly spared, he had to become the kind of monster that they saved on the moon, the, the 10 times murderer guy. Yeah, agree. You might, you might have argued before that the Count was like the guy who stole out of money or, or set up, but that's not the person who lived from this execution, but whatever. It's it's a good setup though. Yeah. So that's that's our principal characters. I'm not gonna go like episode by episode. No, I don't think no, and I don't think you should. I think it's more. One thing I think that's important to note is that one, the count's plan makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah, it also it's so it's laid rare. out in a way that it, 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 it wasn't a Bacano thing where it just happened to end up making sense at the end, but you had to piece it together. It was laid out to you in a way that you were able to follow, despite there are relatively like you know th there are yeah. things that are relatively complex, but not horribly complex. And there it's are a laid couple of like instances of how could you have possibly known that or guessed that? Fine, um, but, but basically, like as far as stories about a smart person goes, this does not fall into the usual pitfall of he just knew because he's smart, duh. Like like he read the right. script kind of shit, like Sherlock the TV show. Yeah. Like dog shit. No, yep. yeah, the I mean he had an Sherlock elaborate Holmes plan. Like, yeah, he had an elaborate plan before, and he did it. And like, also, yeah. the things that he did are not really all that extreme. Like his, no. he had the ability to watch these people for a long time. He also knew these people beforehand. He, it would be another thing if he was wrong about their motivations, but their motivations are always consistent. So it's easy yeah. to know what they're going to do. Um, yeah. And like they, and also uh, critically, the show makes that the point of when he eventually does, you know, orchestrate his revenge. How it gets orchestrated is he knows this person through and through, gets his revenge, and like in the process of him getting a revenge, he never kills them. He almost gives them a way out. Um, but like he knows that these people will do what they will do, and they have to follow it um, because of who they are. And like so, for instance, he he could have um, the the magistrate, whenever he eventually gets his comeuppance, 
the magistrate didn't have to go to court. Like, th- no. there's nothing making him be there. <laughs> he just decided he would go because he was so fucking amazing and, like, he thought he was above the law that nothing could hurt him in his own home. And, like, that's true for all of these b-boys that every time he calls it and it, the payoff works because of that. You, right. you He has them nailed. Yeah, and specifically he says that it's because when he was thrown into prison for the rest of his life, he... Um, was doomed to live forever in agony. So yes. that was what he was going to do to them, killing them, he realized in prison, was, like, merciful. Right. Also, I think it's meant to mirror Napoleon in the sense that when Napoleon was thrown out of power and captured, he was not executed because it was considered worse to just be exiled instead. And that ended up coming back to bite them. But uh, I think it's also important that as a man of the military, he's... Uh, a person whose job it is to meet out death. And I think that this kind of uh, what you call takedown or revenge is considered more aristocratic. It's considered more noble and more legitimate for a count. It's because it's far more beastly, but for, I think everyone else it's considered far more noble. And again, that's like one of the things about the count is that he's embodying, embodying all these ideas of legitimacy and aristocracy but because of his motives and his actions, he's the bad guy. And it's hard to rectify those things. So hard that our main character is basically just in love with him. <laughs> yeah. Even even though the main character has like everything taken from him by this man, he's like, yeah, but dude, you're so fucking cool while you're doing it. <laughs> it murders his best friend, his traveling compatriot, um, but like still loves the count. It's It's yep. cool. So um, I think the next thing to talk about is how fucking amazing they do the count in this and that he seems so ridiculously fucking cool. Um, But they never once tried to like lie to you and tell tell the the basically fool the reader or sorry, not the reader, the the watcher into thinking that he's legit. So there's one thing about like the Count of Monte Cristo, which is that he's tricking Albert the entire time. Albert thinks that he has found a new best friend and that they're going to be friends forever and they're going to skip around and spend money on each other and call each other pretty. That's not going to fucking happen because the Count only wants to fuck up his dad specifically by murdering Albert. His entire plan this entire time has been (laughs) to murder Albert in front of his father to make his dad cry. He only befriends him to that end because the more he befriends him, the more he'll just be willing to hang around him. Yep. (laughs) At a certain point, he turns him against his own father just to make, you know, squeeze the knife in a little bit deeper. And if it wasn't for other people standing in the way, the count would have murdered Albert in front of his dad just to make him cry. Yep. Yep. That would have been pretty sweet. Yeah, the Count is the bad guy, but it's hard to understand why he's the bad guy unless you understand the concept of aristocracy that his character exists to dismantle. Because back then, it was impossible to fathom that someone that polite could be that sinister. It was impossible to understand how someone that rich could be a thief. It was impossible to understand how someone that capable could be that dandy, for lack of a better word. 
because from their perspective, soldiers were big, brutish, ugly people with scars and smell. A.K.A. Maximilian, one of the other characters. His stupid understanding of justice and morality basically came down to, I fell in love with a woman because she smiled at me once, and now I'm going to kidnap her from her family and drive into the countryside where she will live poor. Oh, to an aristocrat, that is the worst case fucking scenario. That's like being taken, like being pulled out of your fucking bed by Tarzan. It's it's rough. It's bad. Uh, any aristocrat worth their salt would fucking hate that. I mean, even uh, the Bonapartiste would fucking think it's hate odd. it. Yeah, she hates it at first because a Bonapartiste would fucking love that shit because it's all about manliness, capability, personal uh, drive, and you know, like uh, uh, conviction. They think that the aristocrats don't have any of that, and they're partially right. Yeah, I mean, they're they're fair chunk, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but then like the money thing, the the guy who the count is trying to take down is he runs a bank. He's a banker, and the whole deal with him is that he is getting rich on this crazy new fucking thing that the world just invented called the stock market. Fucking nutty. Oh, so so good. But I, I'm, I shit you not, but like in this era, the early 1800s, the entire concept of a capitalist who would like, or a venture capitalist started to exist. The idea that somebody's job was to go around and basically buy your business and then take a cut, that was never heard of. The only people who got to do that were the people who owned your land, aka the old aristocrats. But now there are these new money fuckos walking around buying shit up and like being industrialists. It was crazy. So that the so the um, count doesn't do this, but does do this, and it's at first hard to understand where his money comes from until you realize that actually he got his money by being a fucking bandit. He stole it. He runs a bandit gang, and probably all he did was rob people. I mean, we see some of that people. on Luna too, we do. right? Like, I we mean, do. he literally leads the the extortion racket. Yeah. So, that's something that a lot of aristocrats probably did, and a lot of capitalists definitely did. But it was considered the illegitimate way, and the count is throwing that back in their face, basically proving once and for all that all of their air of legitimacy is fake. Because if they actually wanted to make real money then they would be evil instead. Uh, the Count is just more ruthless, more evil, and more bloodthirsty than the other guy. So he ends up richer than them. Um, despite the fact that he was also in the Navy along with the guy who betrayed him, he is seen as more of a capable man because he does more things himself as opposed to the General, Albert's dad, who is trying to run for Congress or whatever the fuck. Yeah, he's trying to be like the Prime Minister. I yeah. think he calls a uh, president, but whatever. Yeah. The three people he wants to get revenge on are a judge, a banker, and a general. A slash politician. The Count embodies all the positive aspects of those three people better than them by lying about it. He's a better general, not because he's a better general. He actually isn't a better leader of men and probably not a better fighter either. But he leads a band of brigands. That those band of brigands also makes him more money than the banker, despite the fact that the banker has every advantage in making it. 
And he's seen as a more legitimate, more trustworthy person than the judge who uses his uh, power as a judge to just murder all the people he doesn't like. They all represent aspects of the aristocracy. They all represent seemingly positive aspects. The Count mirrors those positive aspects, outdoes them, but most importantly is evil. Because the point of the Count of Monte Cristo is to prove that these seemingly positive aspects of aristocracy are not only a lie, but it is their specific opposite that embodies those aristocratic terms. For every judge who tells you that they are the, the entire concept of justice embodied, that they are legitimacy and law, they are using that to kill people. Yep. Every banker is a thief. Every judge is a liar and a, just an executioner. And every general is an upstart who will tyrant, overthrow the fucking government. Yeah, a tyrant. Yeah. War criminal. All that shit. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite kinds of stories because the Count gets his revenge on the very concepts of these people's uh, positions in society by simultaneously embodying them and dismantling them. Yeah, it, honestly, that was really cool. The way he took them all out. Um, I... I kind of forgot perfect. that he was after um, torture and not death for a little bit there. So mm. I kept waiting for, like, you know, the final, you know, uh, fall of, I guess, the guillotine stroke, whatever. Um, and whenever the first one came, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's, like, not what we were doing. So doesn't he literally say to the judge, like, I'm trapping you within your own state in the prison of your mind. And, like, mm -hmm. your state will coddle and keep you alive as yep. long as possible. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Cause like on, on one level, it's just like very surface level of, you know, he's trapping him in his mind. Okay. Well, it's like a prison. Ha ha. And then it's, Oh yeah, wait. But like, actually the prison is the state itself. Um, where like the state is the one that's coddling your basically warm body to ensure that your brain stays on to ensure your torture keeps going. And you're like, Oh, that's getting kind of dark. I, and then I it gets to what I'm you using said. The, the perceived bloodlessness of your society to torture you exactly yeah they and then on top of it it's that they like did it want. to you yeah yeah the system that you believe in so much um mm -hmm. whether wrong or right or whether you are corrupt or not well you, you know what the system that you love so much is what's going to keep you alive i have nothing to do with it at this point like oh. my hands are totally clean after this so yeah that was that one was really really great um <coughs> i think that although i ended up enjoying it more than i thought i would the um mm -hmm. The banker's quote unquote death, I liked less. Um, but I also, maybe there's just a piece I missed. His just seemed much more uh, surface level. Like, you know, the only thing that you have for the rest yeah. of eternity is your money. Um, but, like, you know, I, I. I think the key to understanding the bankers is in the dismantling, where the way that he takes him down is short squeezing him. Mm -hmm. um, the banker is getting tips that are accurate from uh uh some blonde haired bimbo yeah this guy's fucking weird. his wife what a strange a, a scene of events when the daughter like walks up to the door and sees her mom having her brains banged yep. out by the kid and then he just comes <laughs> in and goes oh hey how you doing there sport and then goes and sells his dad insider trading 
I, I love that. Right. And it's, it's, so, it's totally a tit for tat, too, because he comes up to the dad, and the dad's like, oh, how did you find my hospitality? Yeah. Nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink, yeah. fuck my wife. Yeah. He's like, literally uh, like money more than my wife. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, literally. And then he's like, hey, man, Dow Jones is up, brother. Dump Tesla. Buy GameStop. Hey, you ever, you ever hear about GameStop? No, why? I think you should hear about GameStop. He's like, great, go have sex with my wife. This okay. is this is another one of those weird things that um happens in the show that some would say is like a plot hole, but I think it's only a plot hole if you're not paying attention because you guys are right. If you're watching, like, yeah, the dude knows. Like, he just doesn't fucking care. I like my money even more, more than my wife. The one that got me was whenever um, the photographer journalist guy takes a picture of the Count of Monte Cristo and he literally, like, the picture doesn't take properly, implying he's a vampire and, like, can't have his picture taken. Um, and then that just gets ignored. Like, Franz gets tuned into that to be like, that's fucking weird. But the journalist and everyone else that sees that picture is like, Psh, I don't know. And, like, that just <laughs> strikes the chord uh, of the show for me where, nope, just royalists are fucking weird. They're just weird yeah. people that see weird shit and go, eh, who cares? <laughs> Doesn't yep, matter. Yep, for sure. No, uh, I think my favorite aspect is that um, uh, when he, so the, the implication here is that when the bimbo was giving the banker stock tips, he was get, telling him to invest in companies that the count owned. Yes. Yeah, and basically, true. It's like some actual genius level economics. This is also one of the things I think the anime does better than the, the original book because the original book, you know, doesn't get so much into this like actual modern, you know, stock. Yeah, I mean, stuff. Be that, that didn't exist. Then. Yeah, well, it's, it's old fashioned, but now they've updated it. And, and the thing I love about this is that in the updated version, the count does some like really fucking clever economic shifting where he basically tricks this guy into turning some of his companies into Enrons because he is borrowing money that he has a piece of paper he has a piece of paper that says um he has unlimited credit so he's oh, like yeah. elon That's musk right. with unlimited credit he is theoretically leveraging his stock in these companies against the banker to get huge loans from him which he will then which he can then park in his companies which makes their stock go up which makes him investing even more of his money into his companies make the stock go up even higher so they become legitimate seeming tax uh what do you call it like um stock tips yep so and as number goes up but then he has total complete control because both the investment money he's getting from the banker and his own money that he borrowed from the banker are all the banker's fucking money. So he basically fucking robs him blind before he then short squeezes himself, causing a runoff cell that get, hits the paper so fucking hard that anyone else who has ever invested in his bank immediately goes and tries to withdraw. Yeah. He through this like subtle manipulation, he controls every single financial aspect of this bank and it all makes perfect sense and yes, he would have total and complete control over when he could shut it down on a moment's notice. So, okay, to back up your point about the setup is what makes this takedown more fun. Yeah. Um I think you see that as well in that his background, sorry, excuse me, the banker's background all he was was just like the quartermaster of one of these ships or whatever. Like he's the treasurer or something. And like that's chump shit. Like I'm not saying that position isn't important, like whatever, I guess. But oh, it's no. not it like him he as was a greedy little bitch. 
Yeah, it's extremely short-sighted is my point, right? So, like, right. it's so short-sighted that, what, you're just embezzling from, like, the treasury of one small Navy ship. Whereas, like, the general who he takes down is already a pretty high-ranking member of the military. Like, he was already on the up-and-up. So, like, that's also the uh, the magistrate was, too, right? The magistrate also, I think, was relatively high up at that point. So, yeah. I think it just paints this even better, is that the thing that takes down our banker is extreme short-sighted greed that he pours everything into. And, you know, sometimes you win those, like, the first time. And sometimes you lose those, like, the time where he's going to live forever hugging gold. So, right, yeah. I agree. It's it's much better in the setup. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, maybe his is just longer, too, now that I think about it. Because, like, the magistrate's set up, like, once he has the magistrate, he has him. And, like, obviously the general's sort of, like, the final big bad. Um, but, like, the banking thing, that's happening from probably the majority of the episodes. is well, just yeah, the yeah. setup of, like, we're investing this, we're investing that, we're putting the money here. Um, I so say it's the longest setup, only because he had to figure out that the magistrate's illegitimate son did exist and like get him out of jail. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I meant longest for us to watch. Well, but well yes, exactly, you though, are correct. That, that's really the point. Because most of the setup that that ends up getting paid off was done before the show started. Yes. So it's the bank one that happens while we're watching, and I think that's what makes it the most satisfying. Because, um, yeah, the magistrate's kind of easy. Once you reveal that he has an illegitimate son, you completely destroy his credibility. Yeah. The cherry on top is that he tricks his wife into just like being a weird poisoner lady who's just like super into poison. Yeah, and I, I as didn't a result, quite understand that he one. Uses, well, so the, I think the point is that one, his plan works fine without that. Well, but yeah, when he I, met his sure. wife, the count saw an opportunity to like drive it in deeper. Because, one, that's the, that's the woman who he cheated on with in order to have his illegitimate kid. Right. So she's obviously going to be pissed. But when he finds out that she's really into poison, he's like, oh, I can kill two birds with one stone. One, I can get um, the magistrate to turn against his wife pretty fucking easily. And I can now have access to some pretty fucked up poisons. Because this bitch is crazy, and she has an entire terrarium full of, like, the craziest poisons. Yeah. It also so, did help the magistrate. I, I think the main driver is that it made the magistrate go on the offensive too early. Because, yeah, like, when yeah. half his home is dying, and he correctly figures out it's Gangutsu, uh, Gankutsuo, or the Count yeah. of Magistrates, or whatever. Um, whenever he figures Gankutsuo. that out. Gankutsuo. <laughs> you know, I just realized right now, MC works mm -hmm. for Monte Cristo and it also works for main character. And that is going to fuck me up for the rest of the episode. But yeah, he, he, <laughs> MC Monte Cristo. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah. And then MC, fuck, never mind. Um, yeah. So he basically, I think it just put the magistrate on the offensive too soon. It like made him, yeah. you know, askance, um, right. which, you know, works politically. It works like strategically as well. Yeah. And again, another great aspect of the count's plan is that once he starts fucking people up, he hits them all at once. Mm -hmm. Because the second that magistrate loses his credibility, he immediately goes for the banker. And the second yeah. that magistrate is in a coma, he takes out the general. He, th this all has to happen like really, really super fucking fast because he had to make sure that the second he fucked one of them up, the other two didn't run. It's, it's also nice because the plans aren't really intertwined. 
Like they are, but they're not. Like no, each of yeah. the three plans are not. They are not reliant on the other in order for you know no, the people yeah. to still die, the, the, which also makes speaking, it more believable for me. Well, yeah, yeah, because he has his chips down. He has um, the little bimbo boy, the illegitimate boy, which means that he can always get a hold of the magistrate whenever he wants. He's yep. got Albert re- wrapped around his finger, so he can always get at the general whenever he wants. And then he's got the fucking banker invested in all his stocks, so he can tank the banker whenever he wants. Once those pieces are set up, he's in the gold. So what was critical in that beginning, uh, the beginning half of the anime was that he'd be their best fucking friends and that they have no suspicion of him until he had all three of those things. Yep. It wasn't until he reveals the baby coffin to uh, the magistrate that he had already had everything in place that he could do it on a moment's notice. He could tank the banker's stocks on a moment's notice and he could shoot Albert whenever the fuck he wanted. Technically, yeah. it wouldn't be as sweet, but no, like, it wouldn't. everything but it, else could have happened. It could have been done. Yeah, exactly. Um, if they fucking charged him with 40 soldiers he didn't know were coming, he could do all three right then. Yeah, and it, again, like I was saying, I, I think that why it meant a lot to me is it's believable because they're not all the exact same plan. Like he has, he was doing a different thing for each one of them and it doesn't need to all be the same plan. Also, it's a wonderful um, parallel to how each of the three quote unquote bad guys all betray him for different reasons. It's not like all three of them betray him in a cabal, which I actually thought it was going to be. I really thought it was going to be all three of them got together for some reason. And when they introduced most of them hate each other. Yeah, which was cool. I and maybe that's that's probably true for Count of Monte Cristo as well. Um, no, that is that true. Is. That is true. Um, they're, they're they're a little bit so like obviously there are some in a full novel there are some relationships that have a bit more stuff. The the general and the banker have more of a relationship that breaks down. Um, nobody was really a friend of oh god the magistrate, mm-hmm. but I believe the dad was like pimping his wife out same as before. Okay. I mean, for what it's worth, this also holds true in, like, Viva Vendetta, at least the movie. Still haven't read the book. Sorry, Steve, I'm getting there. Um, but, like, the in the movie... better, but, like, it's a graphic novel, man. It's, like, 80 pages. I know. I just keep putting it off. I'll get there eventually. Um, but, like, at least in the movie, all the people that he goes after, are they related to each other? Yeah, but, like, not really. So, like... They all work for the government, and that's about it. Yeah. But yeah, that's about the extent of it. And, like, you know, that's true of this one, too. Like, even the banker, he's, like, basically on the government payroll in some form or factor. I mean, yeah, works he, he enough is, with the royalty. He is a that. rich banker. Right. He's considered... So, like, And, like, so if he was, like, J.P. Morgan from J.P. Morgan Chase, mm-hmm. like, that, that would be him. Is he related to, uh, I, I don't know, fucking uh, John Kerry running for president? I guess maybe a little bit, but like to call them a part of the same system would be silly. Well, yeah, that's Sa- that's fair enough. Same with like Antonin Scalia, the the magistrate. Like, like if those were our three characters, Antonin Scalia, uh, fucking J.P. Morgan Chase, the person, and mm-hmm. uh, fucking John Kerry, that's exactly how much relation they might have. Technically, yeah. some they might know of each other's existence, and in this case, they like worked on the same ship together but like that's where their relationship ended when they betrayed the count um and went their separate ways they basically made a pact with each other that they would use their influence to get each other to the top but that happened a long time ago and now ever since they are not very close 
because they're all pursuing very different things. It also makes them seem so much more arrogant. Um, sorry, the, the ones in the anime, uh, not necessarily V here, um, because like in the anime, he has that like drunk guy from the bar show up and be like, "Oh yeah, hey, call." Or he doesn't call them, but all of them show up for the funeral of um, what was he? Edmond Dantes. Um, yeah, and like. Those four people should be smart enough to realize that, you know, pain is coming for them. Like, this is, you know, what, what is the only other connection between the four oh, of us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should be able to put this together. And they, like, are clearly on edge, um, but they, like, have no idea who it is or why it happened. Um, but it is also, like, you know, as a, uh, a, a tool of uh, film, it is wonderfully suspenseful. Um, so, you know, these these guys might be clowns because they don't realize what's coming for them, and they probably should. Um, but it, the suspense is great. Yeah. Well, of course, the Count was thrown in the 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 Tower Dilf. Or what was it, if I could call it? The Prison Dilf? That, oh, that Jesus. What was that D, thing called? LF. Yeah, it was Not something weird. Aggressively Dilf. French. Dilf. I don't know, man. All I know is that... So... Uh, I guess something to talk about as far as I understand from the original book. Um, obviously, in the original, uh, the, Count, the, Chateau Dilf. <laughs> the Count of Monte Cristo and the prisoner are different characters. Uh, in this, uh, the one they call Gankutsuo in this is, is a man with a different man name. The man in the Iron Mask legitimately is the person. The super prisoner who is in the Chateau Dilf um, who basically helps the Count escape and I believe was his prison cellmate, um, that guy is a real person in the books. But in this anime, he is like a weird space alien that can take over your body. Yeah, he's he's the personification of revenge. Well, yeah, because he is the personification of what all three members of society consider the ultimate unkillable evil. They are the vices that exist in all men. That's why the man in the iron mask wears a mask because he is not a person. He is an idea. Mr. Creedy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that joke had to get made at some point. This, <laughs> during this episode. I was waiting. And it was ideas either me or are you. bulletproof. I guess. <laughs> I, well, Hey, this is a good segue. I just wanted to compliment that. Like, obviously this feels a little anime, but by comparison to most of the anime stuff we watch, like, I have no problem with this at all because it's just another representation of this person's unkillable. Why? Because he is so driven by his, you know, power and his desire for revenge yeah. that he just literally is unkillable. In this, they make him a vampire. In Viva Vendetta, he's, you know, he's a sort of superhuman because he gets, like, that mutant gene because of the, the virus. It doesn't a, matter. A super soldier test group or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, but but it literally doesn't matter why he is. It's he is a force. He is representative of the force of revenge. So like, part of why you make him unkillable is because you can't just murder revenge and hope that you know that the anger dies. That's not how it works. It needs and, and to of be course, slaked. He's not actually unkillable. He does die both yeah. <laughs> in the book and the anime. Yes. Right. <laughs> His plans unfulfilled. But uh, yeah, it, it's an important understanding when you have to reconcile the fact that the book as it's written, you know, because uh, uh, Alexander Dumas couldn't exactly write a fucking massive takedown of the entire concept of both, uh, really all three versions of aristocracy and like come out clean as a whistle, even in the 1800s. 
No, no. So he has to make the count the bad guy, but in so doing, he creates a perfect system where by being the bad guy, the count is like both the perfect evil and the perfect government because he's unkillable because he represents like the vices that everybody succumbs to, but also the people who replace him aren't any better. In fact, he was better than they are. Like that, that's the part that's like the cyclical, the cyclical nature of his revenge that, that gets him killed, but also doesn't matter. Yes. He doesn't end up shooting Albert and making the fucking general sad. The general gets sad anyway and dies anyway because his wife leaves him because he really did love his wife, I guess. Um, but you know, like it was just because he was so driven by revenge, he completely lost sight of it. And most importantly, it was never his intent to live out a happy life after this revenge right. to the point where like, and that's reflected in all the other things. When he gets the, um, the magistrate to turn on his wife, he basically holds on to the now catatonic wife and child who were poisoned of the magistrate just as body shields. And he doesn't care that they almost die all the time. Like he doesn't care about them. He's not here to save them. He's here to use them as leverage. When he fucking murders Franz to get Albert to hate him so that he can kill him later and challenge him to a duel, because that was the plan. Kill Albert in a fucking duel that he challenges you to. And then Franz, the dipshit, takes his place. He's like, all right, well, I guess I, I got to shoot Albert later. But like, there was never a point where he's like, oh, maybe I'm conflicted. No, no, no not no. at all. He not at all. Wanted, yeah. I'm the bad guy. This was never about living. This was about killing all these fucking people and tearing the world down. Once it's done, I don't care. I'm dead, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think he was very clear about that several times over he and also just, uh, was it the narrator? No, I think it was one of his like little compadres. Um, yeah. Both of them at some point in time said like, look, you know, the, the plan isn't life. <laughs> the, the plan is revenge. Uh, at one point, uh, Monte Cristo even says to his one of his like helpers, you know, what what do you, do you dream? What are your dreams? I don't dream anymore. And uh, he's like, oh, you know, my dream is to serve you, Monte Cristo. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's that's dumb. Take all my money whenever this is all done and, and go do anything else. Like, I can recognize that my uh, my desire for revenge is completely unhealthy. Please don't do this. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not the point of this. Like, yeah. I'm the one who's going to die for it. And I'm fully understanding that I don't have to die for it. I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I clearly stop I'm capable it enough to have done this and gotten away with it. And I don't want that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. There's a scene where, like, it's literally... That scene I was just describing, where they have that full-blown conversation. I think he even says, you know, my heart is literally turning to stone. And it doesn't have to, but, like, mm -hmm. it is. And I'm good with that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and it's I cool. I think part of that Never is waver. because the acknowledgement of the story is that someone like him should not be a leader either. It should be the new generation, the Alberts, even if he was planning on killing him. Because this new intellectual aristocrat at least has empathy for other people. Like when they're standing up on top of the wall of Paris. Don't, I don't know why this Paris has a big wall. And she looks out at all the poor people and she goes, wow, sure are a lot of poor people out there. And one guy goes, yeah, it's because they're poor and stinky. We don't want them in here. And then she goes, actually, it looks like us who are trapped. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah some French Revolution attitude. 
<laughs> maybe don't spit on the people who outnumber you so badly they could <laughs> kill you whenever they want. Maybe don't give the poor people guns like in 86, huh? Maybe don't exactly, do that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> God, I reference 86 so much to my friends. Like every yeah. time someone will talk to me about like, oh yeah, but you only watch the bad anime. And I'm like, uh uh uh. No, no, I watch I, the I, ones that are good. We watched a very too. popular anime. Yeah, so, yeah. Trust me, 86 people fucking love that. They that's like fucking okay, it probably isn't, but it's close to their uh saving private Ryan. They're like, Yeah, this is my gritty war anime. It's either that or people probably look at um Attack on Titan as if it's some kind of gritty war anime. And it's like, nah. No, they just hate Jewish people, it seems. But, you know, yeah, you do whatever you feel you need to do. I, I tried rewatching that recently, by the way. Like, I, because, like, I, I want to, like, lay to bed the, the ending. And I, I started watching the first three episodes. And it was always a rather conservative show. Like, even when it first came out, like, it was pretty clear yeah. that it was conservative. Um, but now that I know how anti Semitic it gets towards the end, whether accidental or on purpose. Uh, it's yeah. hard to unsee that shit now. Um, it's <laughs> like it, it's just everything goes from like, oh, hey, we have like a conservative religious kind of show where like, you know, people get weird because it's, you know, it's like the end of the world for them to. Oh, yeah. They're just kind of prepping for a Nazi thing later. OK, I don't want to watch this Yay. show anymore. This seems bad. <laughs> can, can I get off? I'd like to get off. No spanks you. No, Listen, I, right. I I thoroughly enjoy the Count of Monte Cristo servants. Regardless, I just thought. Oh, they, I did too. They never they never took away from the show, and when they were there, they kind of added just enough for me to go. Yeah. I appreciate them as characters. I like that. You know, they're not doing too much. They're not doing too little. They mean something, and in the end, what do they? They end up becoming um, Hades servants, right? The uh, the yes. girl that okay. Yeah, I don't know why there's a scene of him going into a shop and the guy going, ah, this is a nice necklace. Can I see it on a girl with with brown hair? He's like, hey, let me let me swipe through my let me, let me swipe through my Tinder pics. Uh huh. There you go. And he goes, gah, this is garbage. It just God walks damn. away. Goddamn trans femmes in my advertisements. <laughs> so, it's like what? What was the point of this last scene? What was this? Yeah, that last scene was. Dumb, I, ap- but... I appreciate that Papa is trans and nobody talks about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. They who? didn't. Well, Papa? I mean, they did. Yeah, Papa was trans. Yeah. Which one's Which one's Papa? The, the The girl in the beginning that he starts to fall in love with, and the count yeah. goes, "Well, that's a guy." <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh, "Don't yeah. laugh at me, friends." Yeah, that was great. I completely forgot well, about the, the, that. I, I think it's the funniest scene ever because one he's like he's like arguing with papa right and yeah. and and the count comes over to albert he's like um i hate to tell you this but that is in fact a man oh, and Pepe. that's it's when Pepe. albert blushes like oh yes yes <laughs> yeah I, it's 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 peppo not papa that's what oh, i was peppo? Sorry. Yeah, peppo, peppo. Yeah. peppo. I was like, Papo sounds almost it, but I had to go look it it's up. Like it's Popo. Popo from Dragon Dude, Ball Z. I completely like forgot Pepe about from that. Star Fox. Because I remember I Use sent bombs you, wisely. I sent you guys that message about how I was like, damn, this show's so gay. And then literally five minutes later I saw that scene. <laughs> and I was like, damn, let's go. Like, dude, our main character is so gay. Like <laughs> Yeah, he, he, right. he was out when it was a girl, <laughs> and then when it was a guy, he was yeah. right. He's like, oh, and then he was shit. like, oh, you were just gonna make fun of me, Franz. He's like, why would I do that? And he's like, thanks for being there, buddy. Damn, right. you know uh, what? This comes up the same week that I was talking to someone about like, how would I you... do that? I'm trying to fuck you too. Yep. Oh, I'm coming. I'm... Uh, Abby, uh, do, do you have do, do do we have strong opinions about who JW fucks? That was Mike's mom. Oh no. 
<laughs> well, wow. maybe she also has strong opinions. I uh, I don't know. She's but... got strong opinions on Peppo. Uh oh. Mm. <laughs> uh oh. Right. Big opinions over here. Big. <laughs> anyway, what else did people like? I'm done talking. Um. So I already kind of touched on this, but I wanted to like really put a capper on it. Um. I do like the way that they handled his like superhuman thing. Um, and like I said, we already touched on this a little. So I, I think that handling him as like a pseudo vampire was cool, particularly because revenge is, uh, you know, one of the things we, we set up with symbolism for, we feed off of others while we're seeking revenge. Like, you know, there is, you use other people to get the thing you want. And the count absolutely does that. Um, and they even, you know, kind of, you know, hide him away when he has illnesses and stuff like that. Um, He's although a bad this... person who does bad things for good reasons and for good outcomes. Yes, yeah, so that's a, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to appreciate. You know what? You know what interests me because I'm the guy that brings in outside uh, media, but also different anime. Is huh. this anime done not well enough? Is what Black Butler is. Yes, if you think about it. It's exactly what, what Black Butler is. Say more. Yeah, because because I don't know enough about uh, Black Butler. Oh, okay. Well, the main character is a boy whose parents get killed in a fire, and he wants to exact revenge on the people that caused it. Okay, okay. so you're setting up just fine. He makes a pact with a demon. Okay, so sort of paralleling exactly it. He's a rich young boy who doesn't really know what to do, and the demon kind of has. Except instead of being in one body, they're two separate. His butler is a demon that can basically do anything and solve all of his problems. So what makes this more interesting is that the count is doing it in a way that that makes like actual literal sense, whereas yeah. the the one in Black Butler, Sebastian, um, all he ever does is just kind of solve the young master's problems like. By using superhuman feats, and it's not really as interesting as as uh, as this. It still has some you know positives to it, but you can kind of see how I feel like Black Butler was trying to be the Count of Monte Cristo, uh, but ended up kind of falling short on what really made this good. So I just think that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, you can go watch it if only just the first couple episodes to kind of see what I'm talking about because okay. you don't need to watch much. It you know it eventually just starts repeating itself where there's a problem and then Sebastian jumps in and saves the day. And then at the end, I think he does get revenge and he sells his soul and yada, yada. Um, but that was neat. And also uh, last night I just watched uh, wrath of man, the guy Richie movie with Jason Statham, where he is uh, a guy that joins a cash truck business. Cause his son was gunned down. And then you like, you kind of learn more about him as it goes uh, where it turns out he was actually a, a drug Lord. The whole time, and then um, he was like in on the people that got him killed, but didn't know he was in on it. Then he infiltrated the cash truck business, but still had to find out who did it, and kind of slowly exacted revenge. But I felt like that movie kind of paralleled this in that nothing he did seemed like oh, like too far ahead, smart person. It was more like oh, you're just you're just trying your best to crush these people, like just take them down. I mean, in the Wrath of Man's case, he literally just wanted to kill the people, so fine. But it's just like okay, I know where you are. And I know how I have to get to you and I'll do whatever it takes. But you were never like six steps ahead. You were always like, you know, at one step ahead at most. So it kind of felt cool. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Uh, those are my two things, my two cents to put in. But no, I, I enjoyed this. I haven't read The Count of Monte Cristo since probably sixth grade. So I forgot a lot about it. But it was nice having it in anime form. I'll say, I'll say that much. You know? um, awesome. But where would you, uh, what would you, uh, Jay, if you had to. Yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, but so on our list for sure. But what would you what would you give this yourself? You know, based on the Count of Monte Cristo, how would you? 
you know, where would you rate this for people that are coming in? Like, is this an absolute must see? If you like Count of Monte Cristo, something you must see. If you like Count of Monte Cristo, this is probably one of my favorite adaptations uh, because it does so much with the modern setting that other ones don't like to do. Um, A lot of the other Count of Monte Cristo remakes that you might see, like a movie or a TV show, tries to put it in period, and that's fine. It can be great that way. But I think there's a lot to be gained uh, because the whole point of the Count of Monte Cristo is deconstructing the legitimacy of government and society and its hierarchies. And that is just, that's topical no matter what setting you put it in. You could remake the Count of Monte Cristo for literally any time period and you would have things to do with it. And I think, so like putting it in the future was a really good idea and they used it very well. And as such, I think it has a lot it, it, it echoes a lot more with a, a more modern audience. And more importantly, I think it makes the point of the show a lot more clear. Because the entire time you're watching, you're going, wow, what the fuck? It's the future. And like, there's all these French aristocrats doing aristocrat things. And like, there's dueling and shit. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know, like, you're already in the headspace of questioning the society they live in. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, so, where do you guys put it on our list, I guess? I would probably hmm. put it. I I got I, mean, I would rearrange a little bit because <laughs> I would you put it. I think as number one, and Odd Taxi as number two. But did you get outranked? Uh, I don't remember you getting outvoted on Ghost in the Show. I thought you were okay with that one. I no, am he's okay not, he, with it being number one. I just I I think it's better than Initial D for sure. I just don't think that Odd Taxi is number three. Like I just don't agree with that at all. You think it should be higher than initial D? That's where you got outvoted? For sure. <laughs> I, I think at minimum, this is number two. Um, <laughs> as in, like, okay. Ghost in the Shell, then Gunkutsuo, and then either initial D or Odd Taxi. Um, I've actually kind of switched around once or twice in between our episodes because um, originally I was like, all right, yeah, definitely initial D above Odd Taxi. And then I kind of started to rethink it, and I, I was thinking maybe I had it flip-flop, but I guess it's closer in my mind than... It was initially during our first recording. There's a lot to love about each, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I'm down with putting Gakutsuo in number two. Um, I'm fine with that. Oh, that's tough. Is it better it, it than is Ghost tough in the to Show? Do. I think it's definitely better than Initial D and Odd Taxi. Um, yes. Like, no, I don't no, think no, that's not what okay, I'm arguing. Good. I'm arguing okay, whether good. or not it's better than Ghost in the Shell or whether it's one below Ghost in the Shell. I mean, at the end of the day, Ghost in the Shell is going to have a much tighter production yeah, because that's it's only a movie. That's why I and I, I it suffer did from that. Basically, <laughs> invent its own like subgenre of cyberpunk visually. All right, so we'll put it number two then. That's fine. I'll take that. So put Gan Gan Kutsuo as number two. So all my right. personal Let's... enjoyment, I'm always gonna love. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm always gonna love Count of Monte Cristo and cyberpunk quite a bit. But, yeah. yeah. All right. So that brings us to next week, which, you know, due to recording issues, will be sooner than you guys know. Um, but what are we so hey, what, what did we decide we're watching? Are we watching off Chainsaw Man or are we just going to watch Redline since we're Let's on Let's do notice? Redline just uh, because I think Chainsaw Man missed another deadline. Okay. Like, I, I put it at seven originally. I think actually six originally because yeah, it was we going to line twice. up perfectly fine with ending. And then I guess because of the holidays, it skipped, it skipped an episode like two weeks in a row or, or oh. two separate weeks. Okay, gotcha. All right. All right, so we'll do Redline for next week then. Great movie. Seen it already. Can't wait to watch it again. Wow, Very spoilers. Excited. Christ. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a while since I've seen it, though. So 
I'm gonna yeah. see and then how much after that, we'll it. give ourselves all the time we need to for Chainsaw you know, Man. Do Chainsaw Man. Uh, which, which, which start, by the way, now that it's basically over, I'm hearing all kinds of good things from people. Well, yeah, but I'm also like, funny thing you say that because I just read an article that somebody started a petition online to redo Chainsaw Man. <laughs> already. What? Wow! Because they don't think that it followed enough of the actual source material and the animation wasn't as good as they wanted it. And wow. so the, Imagine being guy, that picky. The guy himself came out and said, you know, if they wanted to take liberties, let them take liberties. I mean, that's not exactly what he said, but it was kind of where he was going. Like, uh, he's like, I think it follows enough of it, but then branches good. off. Sure. Take but, fucking liberties. All yeah, I care about is whether or not I get one or two certain scenes. Okay. Well, we'll see then. I don't want to know what they are, um, so don't ruin all, it. All I'll tell you is that Chainsaw Man is broken into parts, like modern parts. Okay. So, like, it's not like there's an ongoing manga story. The first part of Chainsaw Man is done, is written, is published. I hope that they turn all of part one into one season. Okay. But if they don't, I'll be a little sad, but there'll still be some good stuff. Okay, great. Well, there you have it. Uh, we're going to watch Redline for next week, and then... Uh... We'll talk about it and then watch Chainsaw Man. Hooray! And Yay. then we're gonna we're gonna get to our bottom three, which is really our top three at Hajime no Ippo, Paranoia Agent, and Helsing Ultimate. So hey. we'll, we'll get there, goes. boys. Um, so uh, thanks for hanging out with us. This has been a great time, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You and that itchy trigger finger. When you gotta go, brother. Gotta go. Keep up!